So as I stated, today is Resurrection Sunday, and today is a day that we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. All of the believer's faith is resting on that fact. It's resting on one thing. Jesus is alive. It's not resting on the fact that Jesus came to the earth to hang out with us or that Jesus even did miracles uh, that caused the blind to see and folks that lost their hearing or never heard to be able to hear or the lame who could not walk to be able to stand on their own two feet and not need wheelchairs. Jesus did not come to this planet to eliminate our need for health insurance. Uh, That's not what our faith is resting on, even though those things are true. Our faith is resting on the risen Savior. Our faith is not even resting on the fact that Jesus died for our sins. That is true. Our faith is resting on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. The scriptures said he would. Jesus said he would. And he did what he said he would do. Amen. So today I want to speak to you from the message title. I've titled this message, The Risen Savior and the Risen Life. The Risen Savior and the Risen Life. Amen. Help me, Holy Spirit. Turn with me briefly to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verse 3 through 6. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verse 3 through 6. And the word of God reads, I pass on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. What is that, Paul? Christ died for our sins just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. So this marvelous central event in history uh, has prophecy before it by the scriptures and witnesses after it. So everything... (laughs) Everything is resting on this truth. But believers are the ones who are not only aware of it, they are the very ones who are basing their lives on it. This is the truth that keeps the believers. Again, it's true that Christ died for our sins, but the truth that is keeping the believer is the fact that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. Amen? 
Now, I'm going to take you through a few scriptures just to point this out in a couple of different ways. I'm using a different translation this morning because I want to make it as simple as possible. And I don't want to have to go into too much terminology defining today um, and defining terms. What I want to do is I just want to make sure you understand what's happened here in a very simple way. Um, and I believe there's an application for the church um, uh, when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First Peter, I'm going to move swiftly now. First Peter Verse 1 and 3. 1 Peter, verse 1 and 3. It reads, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. The emphasis here is being placed on the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. And in 1 Peter, same chapter, Drop down to the 21st verse, 1 Peter 1, 21. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. The believer's hope, the believer's foundation, the believer's assurance is all based in the fact that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is what is holding our faith. Are you hearing that? It is about the resurrection. Amen. So if it's all about the resurrection, Pastor Jamie, then why is the church prioritizing and focusing on so many other things? Why is it about this? Why is it about that? Why is it about building? Why is it about, you know, uh, this time that we're in right now? Why is the focus seeming to be on, you name it, <laughs> everything but the resurrection? Here's a better question. What has been the fruit or what are the results that we have gotten by shifting the focus off the resurrection? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's look at where we are in America right now and the impact that the church is having by leading the people to the systems of church instead of pointing them to the risen Savior, the risen Christ. Uh, some of you know that I, and I don't boast about this, this is just my lifestyle and I'm not trying to say this to make anyone feel bad or anything like that, this is just a choice that I have made. Um, my wife and I years ago but I don't watch TV and it's been over a decade since I've been hooked up to cable or, hook, or cable's been hooked up to me <laughs> um, but to stay current uh, I listen to Christian news um, I listen to podcasts um, on a weekly basis and one of the podcasts that I listen to is by the name of a, by, uh, is, a, is a podcast by a man by the name of Al Mohler Amen? Um, it's called The Briefing. You might want to check it out. But he gives um, a Christian worldview on a, on a news that is biblically based. Amen? It's news based on a Christian worldview. Um, and this week he quoted some statistics from the Gallup poll. And let's just say that the church in America is in, uh, is, it's in an interesting place. Amen? All right. According to a recent study done in 2020, we are told that America has now reached the point where a minority of Americans identify as members of any 
religious organization. That's the minority. Uh, it's been stated in this study that only 40% of Americans uh, responding to the survey indicated that they have actual formal membership in a church or religious congregation of any type. Now, what's interesting about that is only 90 years ago, uh, the percentage was not 47%. The percentage was 70 plus percent. Amen? In other words, uh, in grandma's generation, the percentage of Americans who were going to church or attending a church or identified with a church, that was 70%. This tells us that Christians are more likely to run into friends, neighbors, family members, associates, co-workers uh, who are not formally identified with any religious congregation. Wow. The research further concluded that every successive generation has been less churched. What do you mean by that? Every generation that is coming up, the, you know, one generation passes in the next generation. That generation is less church than the previous one. Amen? Uh, just to give you some numbers, people born before 1946, of them, uh, the, the, it said that 66% of those people belong to a church. When it comes to the baby, boom, baby boomers, it dropped to 58%. When it, come to, when it comes to Generation X, they said it was somewhere around 50%. It's declining. Now, here's the big drop. When it comes to millennials, only 36% identify with any religious organization whatsoever. Now, here's the thing to think about. Of that 36% of the millennials, how many of them are actually professing or committed Christians? Hmm. The sad thing about what we're seeing here with the millennial generation, uh, the research revealed that it's not that the millennials left the church, uh, the poll revealed that the millennials, millennials have never been in the church. Uh, it's not that they were leaving the church. They never even joined the church. They never came. <laughs> they don't go for a wedding. They don't go for a funeral. They, they don't, you know, the world has become so secular that many of the people in that generation, uh, they're completely leaving anything about God completely out of their lives. It's, God is not considered in anything that they do. Now, just to show you where this is looking like and what this, what this is, where this is headed, uh, if this persists and if it keeps up, uh, the church in America, uh, if I'm not mistaken, came from the church in Britain or England. And in England, it's even worse. Britain is now primarily considered a country that Christianity passed through. Wow. And then left. There was a time when Christianity in England, it was, it was a dominant belief. Um, 1,500 years ago, that was what happened. But now that time has passed. And according to some researchers, they say um, you know, on any given Sunday, less than 2% of the British population attend services of the Church of England, England which is, after all, the nation church state. It's the state church of the nation. Now, Christianity is supposed to be passed down from generation to generation. 
wrong when you pass down the church system instead of passing down the risen Christ. That's the point I want to make to you today. And now it appears to be that the thing that is passed down from generation to generation, according to this service, I mean, survey, is unbelief. That's what's passing down from generation to generation. Case in point, just to give you an example of what's happening in the current generation, just in case you don't know. Um, there's a rapper out right now. I'm not going to give a whole lot of publicity to this person. You might know. Some people may know. The young people will definitely know who I'm talking about. But I want to promote him in any kind of way. But this rapper feels that he's tired of people telling him that he's going to hell for his lifestyle. So recently he made a very controversial video where he kisses Satan and Satan is made out to be a male figure and then he's put on trial for kissing this male depicted Satan. Amen. And then he, after that he, I guess, I don't, I've never seen the video but I, I think what happens is he slides down some stripper pole into hell and gives Satan a lap dance and then after that he twists Satan's head and breaks off his horns and puts the horns on himself and wow now this is him saying that I'm going to do what I'm going to do and I'm going to be whatever I want to be and this is how I feel about all this biblical you going to hell stuff okay now I feel sorry for this young man and I don't know what church he attended or if he ever attended that church, I don't know what message he heard. I don't know if it was the right message or the wrong message or whatever, but I do believe that if he did attend the church or heard the gospel message, that message was rejected. I just pray that if he did hear it, it was something about the risen Savior and something about the truth, something about the gospel. Amen? The New Testament knows nothing about unaffiliated Christians. Uh, it knows nothing uh, of unaffiliated Christians. It knows only the existence uh, as Christians within the life of a congregation, within the life of a church body. There is no understanding of Christianity apart from church. Now that's a quote from Moeller. This is what I'm thinking about that. You can't point people to the church and expect them to become the church. You point them to the risen Jesus Christ and when they receive Christ they will become his church because once you realize what Jesus Christ did not only in dying for you but being risen or resurrected for you that's a hard thing to walk away from once you really understand what that means Back to 1 Corinthians 15. This time, move down to the 14th verse. The resurrection is essential, people. The word of God reads, And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also in vain. Everything is hinging on the resurrection. Drop down to the 17th verse, 1 Corinthians 15 and 17. 
And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. He's like, you're still in your sins if Christ hasn't been raised. Woo! Amen. Romans 4.25. Romans 4.25, a scripture that I ran across this week. He, who? Jesus, was handed over to die because of our sins and was raised to life to make us right with God. He was handed over to die because of our sins, to pay for our sins. And he was raised to new life. Wow. The resurrection happened to make us right with God. Do you see it? The reason why the resurrection is so important, saints, is because it proves that the work on the cross in Christ dying for our sins was pleasing to the Father. God raising his son from the dead says to us that God accepted his son's death as a sacrifice for our sins. Sins against God are paid for and the payment has already been received by God the Father and the resurrection is proof that God is pleased with the payment and with all that believe in Jesus Christ, all who believe in Jesus Christ are forgiven of those sins when we place our faith in the one who paid for it and the one who was received back to the Father. The resurrection proves that Christ did it all and that God is pleased. Yes. If God had left Jesus in that grave, if he had not saved his son or raised his son, rather, from the grave, we'd have no proof that we are forgiven by God. So this is why the church is celebrating. This is not about Easter baskets and eggs and bunnies. No, this is, that's a slap in the face to the work of Calvary. That's a slap in the face to the plan of God. Since I believe in Jesus Christ, the resurrection is my proof that God is okay with me. That's something to be celebrating. In spite of everything I've done, when I look at the fact that he received his son who took my sins and died and took all of my guilt and died and took all the things I've done wrong against him and when he received his son back, now I know I'm okay with God because I am in Christ. The believer is in Christ. Why are we celebrating? Because our sins have been washed away and the resurrection is proof of it. <laughs> this ain't about no bunny. All right. Now, believe it or not, that's not my main text. I'm going to do something a little different today. Let's go to John 14, 2 through 6. John 14, 2 through 6. I'm going to take you, give you a little time to get to it. John 14, the Gospel of John, 14th chapter, verses 2 through 6. This is a very familiar portion, passage of Scripture. We, we know this. If you've been in church any time, we know this. But I saw something this week that, that blew me away. And I want to share it with you. 
this scripture jumped in my spirit in the beginning of the week. And I had to look at the context and it, it was, now I understand what the Holy Spirit was doing for this particular Resurrection Sunday's message. Amen? John 14, verse 2, starting in verse 2 through 6. In my Father's house, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them uh, in the 13th chapter, I'm getting ready to go away and the disciples are saddened, they are grieved. Jesus says, don't be troubled, don't let your heart not be troubled in verse 1. And then he says in verse 2 here, in my Father's house are many mansions, uh, rooms, okay? Or room for every believer, amen? If it were not so, I would have told you. Then he says something rather significant. Uh, 2B, he says this. I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3. And if I go and again, word prepare, underline the word prepare in both verses. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Come again, underline that. And receive you unto, underline this, myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And then Jesus says something profound. Something they should know. He says, and whether I go, ye know, and the way, ye know. In other words, you know where I'm going, and you know the way I'm going. And then Thomas starts scratching his head. He's like, wait a minute, this is, this is a bit much. First you're telling us you're leaving, and then you're saying, we know where you're going, and then you're saying that we know how to get there. <laughs> what are you saying, Jesus? Make it plain. And Thomas said to him in verse, you know, verse 5, he says, Lord, We know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Help me, Holy Spirit. Back to verse 2, the B section, the second half of it. I go to prepare a place for you. And then again, and if I go to prepare a place for you, comma, stop there. Jesus is saying I'm leaving and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, we believe this is heaven. Amen. But Jesus is saying he's going to prepare these rooms. He's, there's many rooms in my father's mansion. Amen? He said, I'm telling you it's true, and if it wasn't true, I would have told you so. But Jesus is not going to clean up the room in the father's house. It's not like when you book a hotel and you arrive a little too early and they tell you that your room is not ready. He's not telling his disciples that your room is not ready yet, so I'm going to prepare it. He's not going to make up the bed. Jesus is not, you know, the lady that fixes your bed before you get there so your room is ready. He's not 
saying that there's a problem with the pipes in the bathroom, in your heavenly bathroom. He's not saying that there's a leak that's, you know, the roof is leaking or, or, or that it needs to be fixed. Jesus is not saying he's going to even build the rooms. Like he's got to go with, get with some contractors and they've got to make sure that everything is built up to code and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. He's not going to discuss how to build the place. No, no, no. He's saying this. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. I am going. And he's saying that even if you tried with all your might to get into the room in the Father's house, you would be denied access. Why? Because the biggest problem in heaven, here we go, hear me if you don't hear anything else, the biggest problem in heaven is the Father is there. And the Father is perfectly holy. And people are sinful. And if God requires perfect holiness, he requires his people to be perfectly holy. God he requires total obedience. He requires obedience from the beginning all the way to the end. Righteousness all the way from the beginning to the end. So if you are not perfectly holy, you and I who are sinful, we won't last one second in his presence. Now, at that moment, Jesus is saying to his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you because your rooms haven't been paid for yet. Uh, they're there. But they haven't been paid for yet. God is righteous and God must deal with sin. Sin must be paid for. So what Jesus is saying, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way because the resurrection guarantees that all that place their faith in him will be received by the Father and will have access to their rooms in the Father's house forever. Make no mistake, there is a resurrected King Jesus sitting on the throne in heaven right now. He is seated on the throne. He is raised from the dead. He has been, he died and he rose again. The one who is on the throne is a resurrected Jesus. Our faith has its foundation in one true fact. Jesus has been risen from the dead. The believer's whole eternity is resting and riding on the fact that Jesus conquered death by rising from death into eternal life. So here's the thing, saints. Our rooms at that time had not been paid for because Jesus wasn't headed to heaven. He was headed to the cross. I hope you get that. Amen. But he is the way to heaven. He is the truth. The truth that we hold on to while we're waiting to go to heaven. Jesus is saying to his disciples and to us who believe in him, all that I am telling you, all that I've been saying about me is true. And now I'm going to back it up in such a way that you will have no excuse for doubting what I've said to you. Oh, I'm going to die, yes. But after that, I'm going to get right back up. Are you hearing me? I'm going to die, but in three days, I'm going to get up. And every believer from this point on, whenever they begin to doubt whatever I said about my promises, whenever they begin to think that what I said is not true, uh, every believer from this point on, all they'll have to do is remember the fact 
that I rose from the dead just like I said he that's just like I said I would that's what Jesus is saying so when Jesus tells his disciples to believe in everything that he said he said I'm gonna back it up how am I gonna back it up I'm gonna get up Uh huh. When Satan tries to slip in through the crack that we leave of unbelief, uh huh, he tries to slip in and 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 drop in doubt or 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 create doubt in our hearts about what Jesus says. Uh And he starts to say, you know, this Christian thing that you're doing is you're wasting your time. It's it's a it's a it's a bunch of men's uh, fables. You're wasting your time. You you might as well join the party with me, like everybody else, and, and. get on the same page with me like everybody else and, 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 and party and hang out with me. Uh, yeah, you, must, you might as well do what everybody else is doing. You're wasting your time. You're wearing your, Why do you want to live holy? Why do you want to be sanctified? Why do you want to place your faith in Jesus Christ? This thing is not real. When the enemy starts to say that, two seconds later the Holy Spirit <laughs> who gives given to the believer when they place their faith in Jesus Christ begins to remind the believer of what is true. And the believer says, ah, oh, wait a minute. What are we going to do about the fact that he said he was going to die and get up and he actually did? Wait a minute. Jesus said he would get up and he did. See? And Jesus is not only the way, the truth, he's also the light. Jesus joins his perfect life to our imperfect life. (laughs) superimposes and wipes out (laughs) our imperfect life and puts his life on top of our life Uh, so when the father sees you he sees Jesus' life Jesus lived a perfect life never disobeyed God he is the life given to us now (laughs) so that we are standing in righteousness because of him and he is the eternal life that we'll live in heaven Uh, And we are going to be sustained by the life that Jesus has. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the life that we will live in heaven. Why? Why? Because he lived it for us here on earth. He gives us what we don't even deserve. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Go back to verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. I will come again. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Now, this is where we're going this morning. We're going to tie this back. Let's go a little deeper. Jesus told his disciples Not so much that he's taking them there. No, that's not the end result when this is all over. He says, I'm coming back here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When he comes back here, what is it? And receive you unto myself. He will receive the believers, the Christians, those who believe and place their faith in Jesus Christ. He will receive those that believe in him unto himself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Jesus isn't saying I'm taking you there. He says I'm coming back here. 
then I'm going to take you unto myself. He will take us unto himself, and where he will be at that time will be here on earth. Oh, I want to go to heaven. Yeah, heaven's going to be here on earth. Why? Heaven will be on the new earth. Why? Because the king will be on the new earth. There will be a new earth. There will be new heavens and a new earth. And everything will be transformed into what the king has always intended it to be in the first place. So heaven is the physical place that where, where the believers are headed. But when we get there, the thing that makes heaven so heavenly is the uninterrupted, uninhibited, unrestricted presence of Jesus Christ himself. So follow me here, saints. Follow this thought. If the end result of our faith, which is heaven, is not so much a place but a person, then the church is not just about a place but a person. Uh, And that person is none other than the resurrected Jesus Christ himself. And he is very much alive and well and living. Yes, he is. We don't point the people to the church. We point the people to Jesus Christ himself, the risen Savior. So, the resurrection has already happened. Yes. But we're we're still here. (laughs) Now, what do we do with that fact? Do we just celebrate once a year? Oh, it's April. Guess it's time to celebrate Jesus and the fact that he rose from the dead. No, no. No. Romans 6 and 4. Here's the application. Romans 6 and 4, and we're almost done. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Identification. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. The resurrection is alive in the believer. It's not just the risen Savior, it's the risen life. The risen life has now been made available. We don't just have access to heaven where there's room enough for us. (laughs) We have access to the choice that says we will make room in our lives for him. Oh, it's the risen Christ seen in his risen church. Oh. So here's the thing. We now live, according to the Gallup poll, just in case you didn't get all that information in the beginning, we now live in a world where people don't want to be told what they can or cannot do, don't want to be told what they can or cannot be, don't want to be told who they cannot be with or can be with. <laughs> don't tell me nothing. I don't want to hear it. We live in a world where you know, I just, you know, there's no restrictions. I just want to do what I, there is no God. What are you talking about? I, I answer to no one but myself. I look into the greatest love of all is inside of me. No, 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 no. That's where we are. But here's the problem with that. There are these people on this planet Earth called Christians. And they have someone 
living inside of them whose name is the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of Christ. Uh And they receive him when they believe and place their faith and their trust in the, the work that Christ did on the Calvary for their sins. Jesus is the one who was supposed to be dead and they did kill him, but he didn't stay dead. He's still alive. He's yet alive. And now he's so alive that he's living inside these people that we call Christians. And even more amazing than that, Jesus, he has no beginning. Jesus, he has no end. He is the first. He is the last. He is the creator of all things, including people. So since he created us, hallelujah, he has an expectation of us. Uh He has an expectation of his creation, even though sometimes we do the very opposite or do the things that contradict what he wanted us to be and his original plans for us. Ah, So here's the thing, Christians, Christians have the creator the living God inside of them. And sometimes it's according to the polls and what we're seeing right now as far as the, the Gallup poll and all the, all the surveys that are being taken, the tendency to run into people who don't know Jesus is very high. Uh-huh. And they don't like Christians so much because we believe in Jesus. But that's not the reason why they don't like Christians. It's because the reason why they really don't like Christians is because Jesus is living in us. (laughs) Jesus is living in the ones that believe in him. That's why they don't like us. Are you hearing me? Jesus is alive and I can prove it. Not just by the resurrection, but he's alive in the Christians who follow the Holy Spirit, who are empowered to obey God's word. People who live like Jesus, people who think like Jesus, people who vote like Jesus, people who forgive like Jesus, and people who forbid like Jesus. Yeah, that's right, I said it. So take a good look. Can you see him in the church? Are we displaying the risen Savior? When people see you, do they see that Christ is alive? Here's my point, saints. Yes, it is Resurrection Sunday. And I believe we ought to make a big deal of Resurrection Sunday. But Resurrection Sunday is really not just in April. Resurrection Sunday is not just uh, in, 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 in on an Easter, uh, not on Easter, the holiday, the, the calendar event. No, no, no. Resurrection Sunday is every day that the believer gets up and lets the people see Jesus living inside them, lets the people see Jesus living through them. The, the risen Savior gives us the risen life. Yes. So here's the question, and I'm done. How do we take a declining faith just in America and push it back or push back on what's happening as far as what we're seeing here in this world that's happening from generation to generation to generation? How? Do we push back and make the churches alive again? Well, we don't. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. 
But our part is this. We shift the focus from dead church systems back to the risen Savior. We tell our friends, our children, our co-workers, our neighbors about Jesus who not only died, but rose from the dead. And because he rose and he has been received back to the Father, we are received back with the Father, those who believe in him. Amen? Amen. The gospel is how we get them in the door. They believe the gospel and they are saved. But the truth that holds them, huh? The truth that holds us in the faith is the fact that we got proof, y'all. Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> Are you seeing it? It's wrong to point people to the church and then expect them to be like Jesus. Instead, we point the people to the risen Savior and watch those people become his church. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is not just some historical fact. From some history book, he's not just some myth or fable made up from the minds of men. He's not just a story in the Bible. He's real. He is alive. He is the risen Savior that gives his church the risen life. And why are we celebrating? Because we've been made right with God. And we have proof he got up. He got up. Amen.